Hey everyone, welcome to the third episode of the House of Death podcast in season two from Austin, Texas. Rafael Calantonio, what's up, Raf? Hi, what's up, Peter? My name is Peter Sandnikov, and these are our special guests from Chicago, Illinois, Daniel Alanders, and uh, her colleague, Kevin. Uh, the devs Hi. from Veritable Joy Studios. Hey guys, glad to see you. Thanks for joining us. You are entering the house of the dev. So you just finished the production of your debut title. Uh, the game mm -hmm. is called Validate and it's about to release this fall. Am I right? Yeah, it releases next month. We're very excited. Gotta be, gotta be dead tired. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, we're exhausted. That's why like planning this was just like a whole thing, but we finally made it here. <laughs> how, how long uh, did it take? Um, we've been in production, like official production since 2020. Um, we've had a lot of phases through production, but like we finally like figured it out like 2020, 2021, and we finished this month. All right. And how many people do you have? Um, like about 24 people on the team, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. It's a huge team. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Congratulations for uh, shipping something. It's like so hard to ship anything. Yeah. Like, yeah. We, we, we live and we learn. <laughs> Especially when it's your first title. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Are you happy with it? Yeah. I honestly, I have no complaints. I'm actually incredibly proud of um, our team and just everything we've done. It's just like, we've been through so much and just to keep going, it's just like a whole thing. Like, I just, I'm just feeling like a proud mom here. <laughs> <laughs> so Danny is the lead producer and community manager for Veritable Joy. And uh, Kevin is also a multi-class character. We're talking about the combination of uh, musician and uh, writer. Am I right, Kevin? Uh, musician, writer, and uh, not on this build, but I used to do a little bit of the programming and the design stuff, too. Some stuff. A little bit too much stuff. Yeah. Uh, the fact that exactly you were invited is not just a coincidence or some sort of uh, Twitter friendship affair. Uh, this time we would like to discuss the uh, the community work, the values that the devs bring up with their games and social activities, and the core audience, which can be hard to find if you're making something original, and especially if it's your first game. And I think that Validate is a great example of all these things, since it's not just another military shooter or a high fantasy RPG, it's a dating sim, comfortable for someone, but maybe provocative for others so let's start with that defining your core audience it's a very important stage and i'm sure not every game developer is able to answer the question who exactly do you make your game for right away imagining your end user constantly thinking about their long-term interests and finding those with the same views is yours. Can you please tell us about that, how you chose your path and what difficulties have you seen at the start? 
Well, so we originally wanted to just make a game for like, you know, our friends, friends of friends, and then Valde got really big. Um, we kind of shifted our focus to really just appeal to like people of color, particularly um, queer people of color, because, you know, that's kind of just our whole game, a bunch of queer people of color. Um, our main audience is really them, um, mainly like, you know, BIPOC, Black, Indigenous people of color. Um, but it's just like anyone can really enjoy Validate because sure we like we are making this game for queer people of color who've never really seen themselves in games before but like it's gone way beyond that everyone likes validate and like we can't just say oh we are making this game for this we're making it for everyone who wants to play our game yeah i also think it helps that um even before think about an audience a lot of this came down to us sitting down and going what would be a game that we like mm -hmm. and the thing is that if you make something for yourself you'll inevitably make if for someone that has your similar tastes or maybe you'll accidentally stumble upon like a niche audience that it was looking for the kind of stuff that only you can give them mm -hmm. which um i think danny is kind of underselling yourself here we did kind of accidentally backdoor into a big audience but a lot of that came down to danny being like a social media wizard and yeah. being able to like drum up attention and hype and like sell this game like i've never seen anybody sell anything before <laughs> yeah, I love social media. It's fun. <laughs> You're the only one who thinks that. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, uh, your activity on Twitter was the reason uh, we originally contacted. So, uh, yeah, Kevin is right. That's uh, that's big work. <laughs> and it's it's being done quite right, in my opinion. Thank you. Did you, you said that uh, you started, you started the production stage two years ago. Um, and uh, when did you come up with the initial idea? Um, so yeah, Validate started with, between myself and one of my um, friends, uh, Haven Vintage Foods. We just wanted to make a little small little visual novel um, because we realized that like, you know, making a game in RenPy is really, really easy. Um, so we just wanted to make a small visual novel. And then I was just like, I actually have done this. Like I've made visual novels before, like just like small fan projects. And I was just like, I can go beyond this. So I started asking more and more friends if they want to join a project. And that's originally how we came up with Validate. Like we, we officially launched in February of 2022. Um, sorry, 2020. Wow, time is not real. Um, yeah, February of 2020. So we were just like, okay, here's this game. Here's it out. And then we had a Kickstarter, very successful. And then we really had to take a step back and be like, hey, okay, here's what we originally wanted to accomplish. And here's what we can do now that we have money, we have resources, we have people following our project. Um, so we really just transformed our whole game from what it was at the beginning, like a small little visual novel to like a whole production. Yeah, that's uh, that's interesting. We, we started with like uh, small ambitions, and and then you you thought, oh wow, we have all this uh, all this money now. What do we do with it? Kind of thing, right? It's yeah, it's interesting. Did you, um, as a gamer, where where do you guys come from? Like, what's uh, what what's what are your favorite inspirations? Where <laughs> for both <laughs> of us, um, Ace Attorney was definitely like one of our biggest inspirations. Great game. Um, yeah amazing game the first trilogy series um amazing game i played all of it i was just like i can make validate but like i can make this i can make validate like this but like take out the law and the lawyer part and like keep the gay people and that's validate 
what was the so it's so it's your first game uh, as a team what 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 would you say has been the I mean I'm sure there are many competing hardest part but if you had to pick one what was the hardest challenge for you Ooh, I think definitely like finding funding in a publisher. Um, we really struggle with that because a lot of people just don't really believe in like um, in visual novels. It's like very hard for us to really get published, especially Western visual novels. Um, like if you're making our like your typical anime style visual novel, we probably have a lot less difficulty. But since we're not, we're making like a very like Western um like Western art style, not really anime. We're kind of just staring away from that. Um, it was just like, people saw us and were just like, we don't know if you guys are going to do well. And then they were just like, it's just too risky. Um, a lot of people just said that like visual novels aren't really profitable, which is not true because there's so many visual novels um, in the past couple of years that have been super profitable. A lot of people love them. But, you know, as we are entering a more diverse gaming world with more diverse characters in games, it was just too much of a risk for too many publishers. So no one really just wanted to take us on. Um, so we just decided to self-publish ultimately because it's just easier. Um, our team decided that we can do this without like much funding uh, and we can just get this game out and just pay ourselves back when the game comes out. And we're doing pretty well. Um, we're projected to oversell like our initial budget. So things are great. <laughs> Here's a here's a little story. Um, for three years straight, we held uh, we held a contest for game developers, and uh, while we were focusing on the production and accounting part, uh, the promotion has been done by a third party agency. And uh, one day, I saw the list of outlets for promotion of the event, and one particular outlet, infamous for their UGC, uh, was not on that list. But that outlet. Uh, actually had a lot of real devs among its readers uh, so it could be pretty useful if uh if worked if worked right uh, when i asked the agency why did you ignore that website they were like oh the users will just sling shit in the face of the devs uh well in my opinion if you do something creative publicly you will inevitably get a fistful of shit in your face at some point mm -hmm. uh, one way or another so that's the last thing to be afraid of since it happens to pretty much everyone. And uh, if you're scared of some random asshole on the internet, you should probably think about changing your career path. I see I see random assholes like um, circling around Danny <laughs> a lot. Like every evening I open up Twitter and I see some some weird stuff going on. So how do you how do you manage all that? Because it's it's a major part of work, like ignoring some haters or explaining something to some haters, expecting the, expecting them to change and play on your side, become better persons. I don't know. What do you think on that? Um, I don't haters. I don't know. I don't even like to refer to them as haters, just people who just are weird. Um, yeah, I just, haters is just a short word for it, you know. Weird weirdos. people, all right. Yeah. Weirdos. <laughs> I just, um, I don't know, I just try not to paint them, especially when it comes to validate, I just don't really paint them no mind. Um, because it's just like, I there's so much more support than there is hate, that it's just like, I don't want to give my attention to bad things if there's so many people who just want me to win. Um, 
And I, it, came, it took me a while to really come to that realization. Like I used to fight people who used to say bad things about validate like in 2020, but now I'm just like, I don't want to do this anymore. I just have better consume my time. It also helps that our fans and like the people that are rooting for us are really funny and really nice that even if we wanted to pay attention to the mean stuff that people are saying, it's really hard to, because everything else is a lot more vocal, a lot louder. Mm -hmm. We have a lot of fans put a lot of effort into like, you know, I mean, people are making jokes for us. Like mm -hmm. you scroll through the comments and people are just like making like videos or image edits. And like, I always thought it'd be like really hard to, you know, when like a million people are saying something nice, then one person says something mean and you focus on the mean thing. For some reason, that just wasn't true with this project. Mm -hmm. It's really hard to focus on anything that isn't the positive. And then also validate fans kind of just do the fighting for us. Like we don't, we don't have to say anything. Like if someone says something racist or like really shitty in our comments, it's just they, the fans just jump them. So it's just like, I don't, and half the time it, it happens when I'm not even paying attention. Like I look back and I see a whole argument in our mentions with, between fans and racists. I'm like, whoa, what happened here? But I never get involved because it's just like, I don't want to, like, I don't, I don't really care that much. But somehow it got to that point. It's 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 uh, you know it, it says a lot of uh, about your work as a community lead. Uh, if your fans start to work their ways around the the weirdos and racists and haters and solve problems themselves, but at the start mm -hmm. you have to kind of point all the directions and uh, lead people to you know to to right places. So how how did it all begin? Can you tell us about that? Um, so at first we just, I don't know, I, like Kevin said, I'm just like a media master. I just, we used to do this thing. Well, we still do, but like, um, when we first introduced our characters, we used to do this thing called Valley meme, where it was just like memes of our characters that were really relatable towards, um, our players. And like, so people can really understand our players better. Um, one thing that, that we really do well is that we also make fun of our own characters um like we poke fun of them we make fun of their flaws and all that stuff because when you make fun of flaws like fans see that and they're just like oh okay this character is very flawed and it's they're flawed in a very funny way like malik for example he <laughs> he's this uh, manager who works at, at Bob Eyes and he's a SoundCloud rapper, sorry, BoundCloud rapper. Um, and like his whole thing is that like, he's a straight guy, but like he be kissing men at Bob Eyes. Like, it's just like those little jokes that fans really just love and they just make fun of. So every time we mention Malik, it's just like, oh, so is he still straight? Is he still beating the, the gay allegations? Like, just like fun stuff like that. We set the tone early. We, you know, we didn't have to say, like, this is what our game is. We just kind of started talking about it. We showed people. We made the jokes. And from that, people kind of sat down and said, oh, okay, we get this. You know, mm -hmm. we didn't have to, like, set any, like, ground rules too often for, like, what is and isn't appropriate. We did it. We had to do it, like, once or twice, mostly because, um, you know, sometimes it's hard to, like, catch what our intentions are because we are funny people on the internet. Mm -hmm. But, uh. I think we did a very good job of just like showing people very early on what we are and what we stand for and what we want to give people that like we haven't had to focus too much on like clarification and like, you know, tone setting after that. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, do you think that in general it's more efficient to invest into community work than the press relations these days? I mean, from my experience, it's pretty hard to find a journalist who fits your needs since you, huge outlets are more focused on AAA, PS5 games that bring in more traffic. I mean, it's not their fault that the, the things for them just work this way. Uh, and uh, looking for gems in the bathtub of vomit is just ain't their major interest. I mean, th there's, a, there's tons of games coming out each month and uh, searching for, uh, for something original and... Uh, um and you know s s some games that stand out from the uh from the usual uh, common canons uh, might be might take some some more time than a middle journalist can afford mm -hmm. uh while working with directly with people who surround you and will in the end they will play not the journalist they will play your game can be more uh more of more productive than just you know more productive than working with the press did you do you actually work with the press at all how do you uh how do you work in that direction um so press i have a lot of journalist friends just like a lot of journalists like just follow validate and like i've become friends with a lot of them um people i think that like we are very lucky because there's no game that's like validate that's out or has ever been put out we are very black we're very queer um we're very people of color friendly like everyone in our cast besides keaton is a person of color and that's really just not been done in western vns let alone western games like us um and it's just like we have such a diverse cast of characters that journalists automatically are drawn to us because we are so unique it's like so different from them reporting on like you know a different triple a game every week nothing wrong with triple a i love them very much but it's just like when there's a game that's just unlike no other it's very hard to not pay attention to that so journalists journalists definitely are on our side um yes community work definitely helps a lot and helps journalists find our things because when people are retweeting our things um we have a lot of like engagement on twitter when people are retweeting um journalists are seeing it through osmosis and it's just like they like community and journalists kind of work together in our favor yeah and i think we can undersell the whole idea of you know when you build up a community eventually the journalists will come right mm -hmm. no matter what because once you have enough attention and eyes on you eventually people will you know see that there is some kind of you know movement some kind of zeitgeist going on and then the journalists will be like oh okay let's look into this but i do think that community building is a very big and important part of it right uh, especially in the indie sphere where the difference between a successful indie game and an unsuccessful indie game is entirely based off of like how many people are talking about it because when it comes down to it the main advertising that works for games in general but especially indie is word of mouth mm -hmm. and i think that we have lucked out and also put a lot of effort into making a game that's worth talking about i i was gonna i was gonna ask something about that uh so it's gonna be a little bit of a hardball question um i I'm under the impression that the, the axis of communication is more about the community and the target audience than the gameplay itself. So I'm curious about like, um, like disregard of 
what community I'm part of, or if I'm interested in it, or like, do I, do I identify, etc. Uh, what is it that the game offers on a game, uh, game perspective? Not like, you know, not like the protagonist, but like the, the gameplay, uh, because I, you know, I'm interested in games. I'm, I'm a gamer myself. And like, so please send me the game as a, like, you know, what's, why would I want to play it? What's going to be, um, fun in the mechanics for me? Well, <laughs> <laughs> we spent a long time on these mechanics and um, it, it was something that we took a, a while to like solidify at the beginning. I would say that most of our meetings were for that. I think what makes Validate special in the visual novel dating sim genre is the idea of it not being a one player avatar that is going on different dates with like a cast of characters. It is a game that's primarily about taking a set cast of characters and making them go on dates with each other. Right. Mm -hmm. oh. So from a gameplay perspective, Raphael what ends up happening is that, that. <laughs> yeah, oh. you get to play as a character dating other characters. And then eventually you're allowed to play as the character you're previously dating, mm -hmm. which means that, you know, sounds like dating, Weird West, by the way. <laughs> yeah. In dating Sims, your entire like ability to progress and like do well is based off your understanding of the characters. So having the ability to literally step in any character's shoes and see from their perspective does like help feedback into the loop of like, you know, the narrative side of this, which is, you know, what's going on in people's heads versus how they interact with other people. It's a very mm -hmm. like complex and interesting thing that Danny tapped into here. <laughs> very cool. Is it like um, uh, mostly with a lot of branching pre-authored uh, writing? Uh, or is it more like, uh, some, is there some sort of like, um, like more like almost like an AI, like a system that, you know, uh, aggregates some variety of, uh, of data and then computes some, uh, some behaviors. It's branching. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. It, we have a lot of very talented writers and it felt like a waste to not let them fly off the handle with some pre-written yeah. paths. So you have probably more f interesting flavor by authoring. You said something interesting before that uh, about the the community that draws attention of the press. That's, uh, I think that's very interesting because usually the paradigm that still sits in, uh, in the heads of many devs goes something like, first we get the funding, then we get the press attention, then we make trailers, then we work uh, with the community, and then we release, and then we're happy and uh, extremely rich. But uh, mm -hmm. with time, uh, with time, many games and many studios showed that this isn't exactly the, the necessary order of things happening. So can we talk about that? Uh, what is safe to uh you know to showcase through social media before you get the funding because i know that uh, many publishers do not like uh games that were previously shown uh showed mm -hmm. uh, i don't know wherever uh on twitter or instagram sometimes require a premiere on a huge event then they will uh like pr provide some help for your project so can we talk about this prejudice and uh the order of things happening uh how did did you experiment with it or did you have some sort of you know manual 
or um, advice uh, from someone how to, you know, do this? Um, so basically, we kind of just like, like I said, we're a first time team. None of us really just had um, like some of us have former game experiences, but like none of us had former ex game experience on the way that we do now. Like this is I'm a first time producer. Um, I very much learned as I went. Um, definitely for my future titles, I will be a little more careful about them because you're very right. A lot of publishers do not like when games are shown to the public before they see it. Like they would like to see the game first before it is shown to the public. Um, and I, honestly, I honestly think that also made it a little hard for us to get picked up by a publisher because uh, we were just so visible for a lot of people. Like by the time we started looking for publishers, we already had like, I think something like 6,000 followers. We were a very notable like indie game and we've only been doing this for a couple months. Um, so people saw that and they were just like, okay, um, all right, like, I don't know about this one, but like, we'll see how it goes. But for my future projects, I will definitely be a lot more secretive and um, not announce it until it's fully funded because dealing with a game that's not funded is like a nightmare. Well, that's the most interesting part. Can we talk about the things uh, that you will do in a different way next time? Because that that's, I think that's very interesting. I mean, your I... mistakes and uh, <laughs> the, the experience that you get uh, got, got out of them. Yeah, no. So definitely, um, I, I I won't get too into this, but definitely one of my biggest mistakes was just like not having a full game plan out before we started working. Um, it was because, like I said, we, this was supposed to be a smaller game, supposed to be like a very chill game, and then it just got got too big. Um, and just like we definitely hit a wall in development very early on because we just did not know the direction that we wanted this game to go. Um, and I think that moving forward, I will always just have a game plan, like literally from start to finish and how I will get there. Um, because just like when you hit that wall in development, it really just all motivation is just gone. And it just is very hard for like a, a team to really move forward past that. And, you know, we learned a lot of like smaller things on the way, which actually I have to admit probably made us a lot better at the job. Uh, if I've learned anything in these past two years, it's that game dev is 50% fucking up and then having to learn how to mm -hmm. unfuck it up and then 50% <laughs> getting very comfortable with uncertainty. Mm -hmm. And I think that we know we had to learn on the go. We hit the ground running in an industry that, you know, some of us have worked in before, some of us have not. And I think that the amount that we have learned from beginning of production to the end of production has made us a very like firm studio the wheels are greased now mm -hmm. <laughs> whatever we do next i feel like we just kind of like tackle it head on i think no matter what the 50 percent fucking up seems to be like a, a thing that doesn't really change so we uh we agree with that you know even even like when your studio has been around for a while it's still true when when something crashes uh when you get the delay in your work you still gotta sustain the the community uh, you still have to be active so in uh, cases like that do you act like nothing is happening or do you communicate the difficulties to your to your future players um we are very transparent about everything that happens in validate we're a small indie company with our first title um and we made validate because 
like, yes, we made it for people, for ourselves, because we want people to put, like, see people like us in games, obviously. But um, also, we just kind of just wanted people to see that making games is not that bad and not that intimidating. I feel like a lot of people are, like, very easily scared by um, games and just, like, getting into game making. And we want people to realize that, like, sometimes you can just do it like you don't have to ask permission you don't have to no one has to tell you yes someone has to tell you no you can just kind of just do the things that you want to do um and we want people to see validate and just be like hey i can make my own game or hey i can make a game that's like validate we want to see more games like validate um and not just like visual novels but like games with more diverse cast more diverse body types um queer games games with trans people just games that reflect real life. That's an interesting point. I saw a tweet from you and I was I was completely blown away by the measure of how of how I agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you were saying uh, I'm not into a complete quote right now, but you were <laughs> saying something like <laughs> I would like all the developers to stop adding racially ambiguous characters to their games so it's kind of disrespectful and uh it with time it looks more and more stupid like it's uh, uh i mean we all respect uh all the colors and all the genders and uh we want to be i think everybody in this in this conversation wants wants to be uh wants games to be as diverse as possible but uh sometimes the diversity goes in the wrong direction like when instead of uh one people uh, one one person of a particular race uh, that is understandable uh huge studios just add six blue skinned yellow hair horned asian faced with you know with with tails some things and uh they kind of want to they kind of want to draw attention of everyone, but it doesn't seem that it works that way. So uh, I think there's a there's a healthy diversity, and there is a, there's a, a corrosive diversity, which is which is not respectful for the people who uh, those studios trying to work with, and uh, it's not re respectful for many other people. Like I'm I'm into I'm an open-minded person, like. Mm -hmm lots very much and i'm i'm always open for new experience and new games and i kind of even sick it um but when i feel that the devs think that i'm stupid uh it kind of it doesn't insult me like i'm not eight years old uh mm -hmm. but it makes me think sad things about the the industry so can we can we discuss that, please? Yeah, um, I think that a lot of, I won't even say it's laziness. I think it's just lack of just people, like people want diversity, but people just don't want to do proper diversity. Mm -hmm. um, they don't want to actually do the work to having diverse characters, having diverse body types and like whatnot. I think that a lot of times people are just like tiptoeing on the diverse line and not really, you know, committing to it, which is just like, it's, and it's very obvious to tell when people are doing that. And it's just like, I don't, I don't know. It sucks. I can't like, it sucks. And I hope that um, 
validate really helps change that change the way that people see diversity that like you can actually have diverse games with diverse characters and it can actually be a good game i'm not saying that games but like you know other games are bad but like it's different when it comes from like actual people of color queer people of color making it opposed to like you know your team full of white guys making a really diverse game with no sensitivity reading no um sensitive like people consultants like diversity consultants like it's very clear that they just wanted to put these characters in here and not do anything about it um while like validate we have a whole team of people of color we have um diversity consultants we have people from different races and ethnicities looking at our game to make sure that everything's like accurate yeah it's uh from being a developer myself uh, having gone through uh, a lot of those um, uh challenges it's it's difficult because you, the risk is is like to make sure you have a little bit of everything right which which is i don't think is a great approach uh when because then it 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 does feel like what you're saying like uh, uh like oh now it's uh make sure you check the boxes and and uh and that's that's not really something that um I think is right. I think, um, but then on the opposite of that, you know, we've, we've ourselves consulted in the past uh, on Weird West and we were told, you know, hey, you don't have this particular race. Oh, you know, I, to me as an artist, I, I would like to make characters that uh, are meaningful to me and uh, without having to fear that, right? So uh, in Prey, we had a, a main character that was uh, Asian. Uh, and then we had the brother of this main character uh, that was super overweight. So, and you know, it's hard to do because, by the way, now you have like more modeling to, to do. You know, you have like more work as opposed to like everybody has like the, the same body, right? So it's uh, it's an effort. But in this case, we did it this way because it felt like we wanted to tell the, the story of these people specifically, right? We were not like trying to uh, make sure that we have like represented everything. Um, because that then becomes like more of a, uh, of a commercial thing in a way, like, you know, let's make sure we're trendy, which it's always a hard line to, uh, you know, and then, uh, after, after that game, I'm, I don't know how much you're familiar with Arcane, but, um, Arcane did, uh, um, so it was my company, right? And, um, uh, uh, Deathloop had two main characters that were, that, that were black actually, and, uh, you know, uh, and again, I think the approach here is not like to say oh let's make sure we are uh following uh, some you know something to like please everybody but it's more like you know we want to talk about these two specific characters and then it feels more real as well you know but, so for me diversity can be like per project in a specific area instead of like oh yeah let's tint everything to make sure everybody's happy because that's always feel fake to me yeah, um, to talk about the uh, the body typing in particular and like the extra modeling work, it's one of those things they actually don't realize, especially for like more AAA 3D games, is that it actually does, like Danny said, also with the sensitivity reading and needing to hire a, a, a diverse uh, crew and stuff. When you're starting to work with like more diverse ideas and concepts, it actually does take more effort and work to like get that started, right? which I also think is part of the issue why a lot of companies don't want to do it because, you know, not only is it a risk, but it's also a financial risk where like, you know, now I have to learn how to model this different body type and now I have to like, you know, attach all the bones to that and do new animations or like fix the old animations or like, oh, now I have to hire like writers from this culture or whatever. But I think that like, you know, 
the fact that it is, you know, a risk, it's new, it's more work, isn't a reason to not do it, right? Because I think that we have proved to a decent extent that if you, you know, sell the same thing over and over again, which AAA games have been getting better about, I would say that they've been getting less samey as time goes on. Um, you'll still always find people that are like, you know, I want something new. I want something different. Even if it's not even a, a diversity thing in terms of like race or sexuality, a lot of the times it can be a diversity thing in terms of like, I want to hear types of writing from types of people that don't usually get hired for these types of projects. You know, I, I think that's one of the, uh, you know, stranger things that we've touched upon is like, oh, uh, besides all of this, people just kind of like our writing because it's written by the type of people that don't really do this type of stuff. Like, th there's a lot of interesting things in in what you're saying. Uh, the sensitivity reading. I first learned about that profession by visiting the website of Danny Lalanders, like officially. <laughs> <laughs> there's no, uh, I mean, at least in my uh, proximity, there's no such thing in Russia as uh, sensitivity reading. It's not that nobody cares about something sensitive uh for example when uh when chris avalon uh worked on pathfinder kingmaker uh he was a kind of sensitivity reader for the project because in the lore of pathfinder okay pathfinder is a is a it's, it's an analog of dungeons and dragons to put it in short so there's a huge lore behind all the events. Uh, there's a lot of modules. There's, there's there's a lot of books with core rules. It's it's a D20 uh, tabletop RPG, and uh, the first uh, the first CRPG based on Pathfinder was made by a Russian team uh, with Chris Avalon as one of the uh, lead uh, writers for the project, and uh, in the lore of Pathfinder, specifically Kingmaker module, there was a character who was kind of sexually abused before the events of the game. And uh, they cut it out of the game because the main focus of the project was not that. And Chris said something like, if you want to put, if you want to put a, a fire axe in the middle of the road, and just wait until someone will stumble upon it. You can leave the, the, the that story uh, as it is and keep it in your game. Uh, but the the devs uh, listened to him and just removed it uh, to avoid uh, any kind of unnecessary risks because obviously the focus of the CRPG called Pathfinder Kingmaker is uh, lies in another you know in another area. So, uh, do you think there's a, there's some kind of compromise? Like there's bad compromise when you want to please everyone and make everyone happy, and the result usually is that nobody is happy. When you work with a specific group of people, and when you hire specific people to you know to talk about topics, nobody usually brings uh, into the light in the games, and uh, when you when you kind of do something to avoid the the problems so basically what is the sensitivity the sensitivity reading can you tell us about that yeah um sensitivity reading is basically when you just have someone um who typically uh is like 
same race or same sexuality or like you know just has knowledge of looking outside of their perspective um and you ask them to read and like look at your work before you put it out um there's a lot of power in sensitivity reading when it comes to just anything like not even just like diverse stories just like everything like it's always good to have a second pair of eyes um, who are not on your team, who can really like just be honest with you. Um, as a sensitive reader myself, I really, I often just look at things and just give them my nose saying, hey, you might think this is a good idea, but personally, I think this is a terrible idea. Um, and like why I think so, like, it's just like about having a second perspective who is not biased and who doesn't lose anything by saying that things may not work, things are not good, etc. Um and then for sensitive reading, I just think that it's just useful for everyone to just have some, um, no matter what you're making. It's just, you never know. Like you might think that something is perfectly fine and then you put it out and everyone's mad at you because you never got a second opinion. Like that happens all the time. About the, the, the second pair of eyes uh, from outside of the team, is there a line when... Uh... I mean, I, I understand that you do the sensitivity reading, of course, but uh, have you hired somebody for validate on that position? Um, yeah, we actually, I have a lot of like um, friends who are actually sensitivity readers. Like it's not just myself, it's just like a whole group of people. Um, and they definitely have read um, our scripts. They have looked at our scripts, like giving us warnings and all that stuff. Um, they do it professionally. So they did it for us for free because they're friends of the project. Um, but like I've had people just look at everything, read everything just to make sure things are okay. Um, and like also check for like, you know, trigger warnings, like potential warnings that we can like warn our audience about. Um, and I think that's like very important, like just having like warnings for your audience because you never know. Um, we had a one of our sister games, Boyfriend Nudgeon, they had a really big issue discourse around this time last year when they put their game out and they didn't have a warning for stalking. Um, and then they added the warning and the problem, like people were still discoursing about it, even though this problem has been solved. And just like, that can just be avoidable if like you had a sensitivity reader, just like, you know, play your game, tell you, hey, this is how people may react to this here's how you can change that not blaming boyfriend dungeon by any means i love the folks at kid fox so much they're wonderful folks very nice make amazing games but like it's just like you know the little things that like some people just may not think about really can help you in the long run can you relate to this raf you will uh, you were always like most of your career as i as i presume you were under a looking glass of a huge publisher and there were uh I, I'm sure there there was some uh, some amount of uh, rules and laws because of that. Yeah, I think frankly uh, the, uh, the 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 world the world became aware of the diversity not that long ago. Uh, so when I started in the late '90s, that was not really uh, you know every, every hero was the same kind of you know hero, and then it's it's over the years that people got more and more aware um, and uh, for the very last game I worked on uh, the Weird West we uh, we did consult actually with an agency uh, several in fact several groups uh, several people that would represent groups uh, it was an interesting experience um, because as, as you said Danny there's a there's a moment where you do something and you don't even realize that it's not gonna fly it's not like 
you know, it, it can be subtle. It can be subtle things that uh, if you're not part of this community yourself, you're just like, what? Oh, okay. And, and then, you know, you, you didn't mean to, to offend anything. Uh, but uh, so working with those groups has been helpful. Um, you know, um, it's, it's a balance again, because I think you also want to keep some, some artistic integrity uh, and again, not do things just to uh, to reach uh, like uh, some sort of a, uh, like a flavorless thing where you know everything is, is is like flat. You know, like this, this is the risk, right? Because we we fear sometimes, like oh, you know, it shouldn't do this, or shouldn't do that. So then you, you start to uh, uh, lose your uh, your own uh, flavor in a way. So that's that's been the that's been the the balance we've we've, we've tried to. Uh, to reach you know was there a lot yeah. of mistakes after you you reached out to those uh those groups of people you mentioned in our case yeah uh yeah we had i mean not a lot uh and a lot of them were like small things but some of them were surprising and again i mean you, you're working with a group that is their job. They're gonna do their best to uh, to give you uh, the longest report as possible because it's it's kind of like a, it's a business, right? So uh, and also most in this situation, it's mostly like a lot of advice. It's more like you know, hey, that specific thing. There's a risk, you know. Maybe you wanna you wanna stay away from that or, or etc. You know. Uh, discuss these things. You know, it's been edu for my own education, frankly. There was no major thing that made us like remake the entire game or anything like that. You know, of course. Um, but it's you know, it's it's just a, it's just a nice thing to add to your as a process to your uh, yeah to your game to, as a, as a full game cycle. At some point, is going to be something you want to do. That's that's kind of funny. Uh, I mean, uh, you R Raphael, you were making uh, games uh, like. Danny and Kevin and the the whole team at Veritable Joy they make a game about like initially about themselves and people like them uh, which they wanted to see in in a video game and you were always making a game uh, making games about something like uh, deprived from yourself like you have never been to Wild West you you came to America uh, as as an adult uh, and this culture required like a lot of research, I believe. Um, so uh, I, just, just you know, just <laughs> just a fun fact that uh, that I've noticed. Uh, was it hard for you to to keep it? Uh, that's a question for Raphael. Uh, was it hard for you to keep the the games authentic and uh, you know uh, reach with with that flavor that you mentioned without having your personal experience and things like that i mean if you were making a game about a rock band uh you you would probably take more out of your own head than uh from the sources of some sort yeah i mean i think any artistic endeavor is uh comes from different places uh it, it might be that in my case i i did not have a specific story like a personal story that where I felt like I need to represent my my kind specifically, uh, and instead I wanted more to uh, to go into a fictional world, you know, fantasy. That, that was what's exciting to me. But then as I aged, there were moments where you know, in Prey, I had I had I may uh, even in uh, Weird West. If it's not in the world that you explore, it's in the 
it's in my case it's in the theme that I talk about you know uh, some stuff that are meaningful in terms of uh, uh, existential questions or like what is it to you know what makes a difference between between different minds or uh, you know what what's after death the concept of mortality of immortality or things like that that are uh, you know for me this is what is my my thing uh and it's not specifically about representing simply big for obvious reasons you know i didn't i don't have the the feel the feeling that we're underrepresented so that never occurred to my mind uh so i guess yeah the artists and you probably it's probably true in anything you know in music or in any in in movie making i'm sure uh the uh, uh the the story of the artist will drive their need to express themselves in a very specific way you know, writing has a research phase, and I think it does, like, also help, too, beforehand, you know, sensitivity readers are very good for the after the fact, but it does also help, like, you know, oh, I want to write about this region of the world, or I want to write about, like, this part of history. It does help to, you know, consult with an expert, right? Um, which, it does help that we're a diverse team that, since we're making a game that's primarily about just kind of people in their 20s living their lives, there wasn't too much like expert uh, opinions needed besides like, you know, if you're running a character, you do some research for it. I had to get like really into coffee for like a couple months for my writing, which I did not enjoy. But, um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's one of those things that uh, it, it just becomes part of the writing process, right? It's like consulting an expert, but, you know, on the back end to make sure like, hey, you know, check on my numbers. Did I like do this right? Am I missing like something? huge that I wasn't paying attention to. Uh, it's better, I, I think, if you think about it like that. It's not something that, like, you pay to, you know, yell at you for doing stuff wrong. <laughs> mm -hmm. And by the way, Raphael, after after becoming an indie developer, you became more publicly active while developing Weird West. I mean, uh, of course, one of the reasons uh, is our podcast. Like in uh, inevitable publicity, yeah. But you, uh, as it occurs to me, you started to do more uh, more community work yourself. So uh, I think it's it's an interesting um, interesting episode of your life, uh, to put it that way. Because after being a head of a huge AAA studio, uh, you were uh, you started to communicate on another level, and. Uh, but but you still kind of had that tale of your previous fame and uh, maybe some requirements uh, from the audience. Uh, the people were waiting for something from you. Well, I mean, some of it is because I felt like it would help the the studio. Uh, some of it is because, uh, yeah, I mean, when you're part of a big organization and there's a big publisher behind you and tons of lawyers and they're very uh, they're, they're a good target for uh, to being attacked for anything you could say and this world is uh, often waiting for that so things like Twitter you, you might you know whatever words you're gonna you always take a risk right and so if you are part of a big organization then you, you that big organization is gonna is gonna look at every tweet and so you feel like always under scrutiny so it did it did feel good to be part of a small thing now like i'm independent i can say whatever i want 
and there's no you know bunch of lawyers behind saying like oh maybe you shouldn't have said this or that or like make sure you never talk about this or that like I, you know plus being a musician i have like pictures of me shirtless with my guitar and like now i don't care you know just it doesn't matter nobody can tell me anything but i mean at the same time it's still fairly uh, i'm a super introverted person so i don't i don't tweet much you know it doesn't it hasn't changed that much but to to your point uh yeah it's it's big some of it is i think uh uh, helps. Uh, it's a little bit of a personal release, but it feels good sometimes, but also it helps, I think, the, the uh, you know, social media. I mean, apparently Danny is uh, big into social media. I'm not, you know, like maybe you should give me a few hints. Uh, <laughs> I find it difficult. I don't know. Social media is fun for me because I just kind of don't let anything online bother me. I just, I don't know, so much of online is just not real. In my mind, I just kind of just tune it out um, because like, it's just like the world is just so overwhelming sometimes that you just can't let everything bother you. So I kind of just do my own thing. Um, I just tweet and log off. Okay, I was just saying that like Twitter is a very funny site if you just don't let it bother you um, because there's so much in the world that's just terrible, awful. But if you just, you know, live your life and do what you need to do on that site, you will just have a good time. Um, yes, people try to argue with me, but I don't argue back. So, <laughs> I think that's heroic. That's uh, a great skill. Requires a lot of guts. I mean, mm -hmm. yeah. I've been a journalist and full-time content creator for more than a decade, and I also happen to be a musician. And uh, a year ago, I've I've started my own game dev studio, so mm -hmm. I've got my ass kicked all over the internet. <laughs> Like a lot, a lot of times, crazy amount of times. And of course, my armor got thick and tough. But still, there are some moments when some random asshole can deeply insult me or make me anxious or make me paranoid because I'm not because I'm a, a I'm a, you know, I'm, I'm a weak person, uh, but because of uh, how dedicated I am to my stuff. And when somebody breaks in and finds a like there, there's a lot of, you know, typical and default stuff going on, like you're like that, you're like this. And I'm, I'm, I'm in the harmony with myself. I'm 35 years old. I'm good. Thank you, guys. Fuck off. <laughs> but 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 like once in a while some some shit face uh picks a, a lock somehow he finds a way to fucking get me and then uh then i i finally you know i i snap uh do you how do you endure that is that just experience or or was it always like that for you um, personally, I, I mean, like I said earlier, I used to fight back, but now I'm just like, I don't care. Um, people, I honestly just kind of just have a, a very supportive, um, like friend group. Like people will always just come to my defense because most of the time I'm not wrong about the things and people who come for me are just like people who just don't have media literacy or critical thinking skills. And I just don't engage with that. Um, if you can't have a proper conversation with me. We're just not going to talk. <laughs> it also helps that we're um, we're youngins. We were born into this very mean internet social yeah, media well, age. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, and <laughs> so we've been dealing with this for a long time. Like uh, during our formative years, which time will tell how that like you know uh, affects our psyches when we're older. <laughs> but for now, it at least made us pretty good at like separating the uh, 
annoying wheat from the chaff, I guess. That's not how that's saying, guys, but you get the idea. <laughs> I, yeah. I guess it also helps that most of the insults are towards our work and not necessarily us as mm -hmm. individuals. Maybe Danny more, because I would say out of all of us, she is also the most online. Yeah, I'm like, the most invisible. Yeah. yeah. I'm so, the most visible out of everyone, so. <laughs> that is on purpose? So strange. Yeah, I honestly, I just take it because I rather I take the heat than anyone else on the team because I know it doesn't bother me whatsoever. Like, I don't care. But like, I don't, I know like in the past, it's like bothered other people on the team um, or like, you know, past employees. So it's just like, I make sure to take all the heat and just hide all of it before anyone else sees it because I really do care about my, my coworkers. Um, like, I understand this shit is really mentally draining and I just don't want anything bad to like happen to them. Like, I, I very much care about them. Like, we're all friends and like, I'd rather take the heat than let them deal with it. Yeah. So <laughs> now that our time is running out, I would. I would say that I would conclude that every studio needs a person who is able to take the heat. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. What you gonna do when, when, when validate is out? Are you gonna <laughs> are you gonna leave the studio? Maybe you'll be <laughs> available. Um. <laughs> <laughs> no, honestly, I'm gonna go work for other people. I just want to go write. Honestly, no more producing. It's enough. Yeah. It's enough. <laughs> I think producing and community management, it, it, it sounds crazy. I mean, I know a lot about community management. And now I'm producing a game for a year. Mm -hmm. Combining those, I don't know. I don't know how your head is still, how, how you, you, you're still sane, actually. <laughs> you know, I, I just chill, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> Yeah, so that's hey, the general advice for everybody. Just chill, guys. <laughs> yeah, kudos, kudos for jumping in it. Uh, you know, getting the fundings, gathering a team, making a game, doing you know, as you said, fifty percent of mistakes and you know, uh, forcing through them and releasing something. It's uh, so. I wish you the best of luck, and I hope I hope the game will be successful. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, respect, guys. Thanks a lot for your time. It was awesome. I hope we will talk again in a while. Uh, mm -hmm. See you on Twitter, Danny. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> bye, guys. Thank you. Bye, guys. Bye. Thanks a lot. Bye.